With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. What if you went to a concert and Bob Dylan was there? And obviously, if your listeners know who Bob Dylan is, they know that they're not expecting to understand every word, (laughs) but they... They are expecting a harmonica, right? So if Bob Dylan was up there going, Hey, Mr. Tambourine, man, play a song for me. I'm not sleeping. Oh, there ain't no place I'm going to. You're waiting for the harmonica. What if he didn't play the harmonica? And then he keeps his promise by going, Hey, Mr. Tambourine, man. That's a very simple promise kept, isn't it? Hey, it's David, and you're listening to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul, your source for practical leadership inspiration, tools, and strategies you can use to achieve transformational results without sacrificing your humanity or your mind in the process. Hey, welcome to the show. I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest. This man is amazing, and at first you might be wondering, why the heck is he on this show? He's not a CEO. Well, he is. He's a CEO of an incredible business that is his business, but his name is Jason Hewlett, and Jason is an entertainer. He is a writer. He's an expert in a lot of things, but more than anything else, what I'm going to recommend is at some point, you want to find some of the video recordings of this audio uh, podcast because you're going to love what he can do with his face. I don't know anybody who is more of an expert on manipulating their lips than this gentleman. But what the heck does any of that have to do with leadership? Well, Jason is also the author of a book called The Promise, and he is masterful at talking about what this means as a leader, as a human being, to keep the promises we make. And he comes at it from the perspective of a performer and an entertainer who spent years in Las Vegas and who makes a living, even today, in a remote pandemic type of world, performing and communicating this message. So we're going to find out more about what all this means and what it has to do with you and how it's going to help you as a leader. Jason Hewlett, welcome to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul. I love that title, man. That is such a great podcast name. And thanks for having me, dude. I'm so impressed with what you've created here. And yeah, excited to dive in with you. Well, when I think of uh, what it means to be a leader who does that without sacrificing their humanity, uh, or, or I don't know about not losing your mind, especially right now, but at least not sacrificing your humanity in the process, Jason, you are very, very high on that list. And uh, we'll find out a little bit more why as we go down the road. But if you've listened to the show, you know, the first question that I ask every guest, and Jason, I'm going to ask you right now is what is your earliest memory of yourself as a leader? Oh, man. That takes me back to the Boy Scout days, I'd have to say, (laughs) or Cub Scouts. And I heard you talking about that on a podcast as well, where you substituted one ingredient for another and had an amazing leader help you with that. I won't give it away so your listeners check it out. But I'll tell you, uh, as a kid, 
realizing actually I was just the, the great follower, I think. And I found out I was good at following people, really good at mimicking them too, which you know, I, I do well. And then eventually found my leadership voice in place when I was thrust into the leadership role as a as a young scout leader and the scout master said, Hey, you're in charge of this den, you know, or this troop. And the next thing I know, I'm, I'm telling other guys what I should do and, and what they should do. And the next thing I know, I realized I need to do it first. I can't just tell them what they have to do. I had to be willing to do it. It wasn't just like I'm a slave master telling them, go do that. No, that's the opposite of leadership. And that was a really, the first big memory for me was, gosh, I guess I, I have to actually embody this and do it myself before I can ask anyone else in this leadership position. So yeah, that's the first memory I have. Oh, I love that so much. And there's a couple things that come, come up for me as you're talking about that. Uh, one is that some of us fall into leadership and just find ourselves leading. Others are thrust into leadership. And so you had somebody say to you, hey, you're going to be a leader at this capacity. And in doing that, though, there was something about you. And I want to capitalize on this for all of us, is that when somebody took the initiative to give you some responsibility, you started to figure some things out, even at a young age. And I mean, how cool is that, that one of those things that you figured out is, I need to lead by example here. If I'm not doing it first, I can't ask that of them. There's still many adult leaders who, who could use a dose of that. But I'm, I'm curious if you can recall what prompted that for you. Do, is, was there an incident? Do you, and you may not remember, but it's, it's been a while. But was there a, a moment in time or something that happened where you're like, huh, somebody call you out? Can you go back? Is there anything there that you can remember? I believe it was a service project. And I was telling everyone, hey, you need to go pick that up. And you're in charge of this equipment or material and so forth. And they weren't necessarily doing anything. They were just loafing around while I was trying to be more of the administrator, making sure what was going on. And, and I mean, I think I was eight years old, something extremely young. And I looked around and noticed everyone was slacking off. And I thought, why aren't they doing what we're supposed to be doing? So I went over to one of them. I think we were picking up trash, probably just a simple service project. And I leaned down with the guy who was work, you know, supposed to be working and we, we held the trash bag together and put the garbage in and then everyone looked over, saw me actually working and doing it too. And then it, it worked. I mean, how simple is this? How simple is that? It's just, that's just beautiful. And the, and I'm so glad that you said, what was I eight, nine years old? Because one of the things that I, I remember I was delivering a keynote when you could be in the same room with people in Ohio and, uh, and there was a moment for some Q&A and one of the folks asked me, and I was talking about one of my leadership experiences when I was 11. He said, were you seriously thinking about leadership when you're 11 years old? And one of the other uh, participants said, well, gosh, can you really even teach children leadership? And if nothing else, you have reinforced for all of us, the answer to both of those questions is absolutely 100% yes. Uh, thank you for going back down history lane for us a little bit there, because that is such a, a cool memory. I just love that. It's, it's making my heart warm and the smile. You can see it in the camera. So Jason, it would be helpful uh, as we talk about leadership and we talk about the promise and so forth to know a little bit about you. Can you 
tell listeners a little bit about your journey. I mentioned some of the Las Vegas and so forth, but there's more to it than that. Can you just give us a, a good glimpse at what your career has been like? Yeah, I started my career right after I served a mission for my church in, in Brazil. I was there for two years from the ages of 19 to 21. And that was right after graduating from high school. So it was high school, mission, two years of volunteering service. And then I came home and it was like, do you go to college? What do you do? And I really wanted to pursue this path of, I want to entertain people and I want to inspire them. So within about a year, I was in Las Vegas performing for a company called Legends in Concert. And maybe some of those that are listening are familiar with that show. It's actually the top place for someone who's good at impersonating somebody else as a singer to land. And that's really the top of the, the heap for a Las Vegas impersonator. And so I landed the job in 2001 as Ricky Martin, the living La Vida Loca guy. Okay, I have, to, <laughs> I have to ask, is that an impersonation you still have in your arsenal? Well, I mean, kind of. I now it's like chubby, fat Ricky Martin because I'm like 42, you know. <laughs> She's in superstitious black cats and voodoo dolls, you know. So that was my first uh, impression that m made me a living. And I back then I didn't have a beard like I have now. I didn't have the, you know, the silverish hair that's coming in now. I was I was all Ricky Martin Latinoed out. I I had the leather jacket, leather pants. I was very cool. You were a different and, kind of sexy. <laughs> it was way sexy. And then, uh, and then within about a year, I was I was told that Ricky Martin's legend was sort of fading a bit because he hadn't had many hits, but there were some real huge legends and one was Elton John. And so Elton John became my next big character I worked for in Legends in Concert. So I would, I would actually open the show as Ricky Martin and then I'd come back like three characters later after these, you know, other impersonators that were amazing. And I would be Elton John and sitting at the piano playing the piano, had the earring in, the space in the tooth, the, you know, goodbye, no, Jean, no, I never knew you at all. You know, and I'm singing, la, 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 la. And nobody knew it was the same guy. It was a pretty cool gig. And that's how my career began as a performer that made a living in Las Vegas doing these shows. And I toured around the country to different locations and venues where like in Myrtle Beach or in Philadelphia, they had different venues where we would set up for a couple of months and some that were permanent. And so that was my start. And how did we get here 20 years later? <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about that. But the, the thing is, is I started as an entertainer and I wanted it to be something that would bring joy and, and it did. And then I thought, why just do two characters? I can do lots of characters. And what about my voice? Because I'm pretty good at singing and I was pretty funny growing up. And so David, I had to make a choice. Do I stay with legends and impersonate these other people forever? Or could I branch out and maybe do a one man show of lots of comedy, lots of voices, my own stories, my own ideas. And, and when I left Legends, I was told I would be back because everyone that left would always come back. And uh, I, I'm one of the lucky ones, I guess, to have said I, I left and I'm still able to make a living and uh, made a career as an entertainer for 
a, over a decade. It was a very successful career. In fact, you know, corporations would hire me for their largest events when they couldn't bring in Jerry Seinfeld or uh, back in the day, you know, some of the some of the real big names of performance. If they couldn't hire Elton John or the Bee Gees, or I mean, I've gotten calls like that. They would say, "We just found out Elton John costs 1.5 million. Can you come in?" And I'm like, "Sure, I'll take half." <laughs> you know? so, well, I don't want to. I don't want to let everyone underestimate when you say, you know, hey, I'm good at impersonations, and you know, and I can imitate people and so forth, because I know the incredible amount of work that you go to in order to pull that off. Uh, it's not just hey, you wake up and what do they sound like? I'm going to do that. Uh, we have had discussions, and I've heard you speak in other contexts and things, and and uh, you know, like back when you were doing Michael Jackson impersonations, you talked about the extent to which you studied the man to learn what that's like. And, and I think this factors into what it means to talk about the promise. So I'd like to ask you to talk about the work involved in your craft in that specific aspect of it, because your craft obviously is bigger than just that. And then let's translate that into what does that got to do with the promise? Yeah, so I, my real big character that I was great at in high school, there were two, one was Jim Carrey and one was Michael Jackson. And so I was good at the Jim Carrey facial stuff, which we'll do a little bit later for the people wanting to log on and watch the videos. But the Michael Jackson piece, you know, he was a big star in my youth and I wanted to learn that moonwalk. And I practiced to such an extent that, I mean, I wasn't perfect at it, but I was one of the first really good Michael Jackson impressionists that could make it really look real. And, uh, and so, I mean, I spent an entire summer uh, when I was 17 years old working on moving like Michael Jackson, wearing out the videotapes, uh, wearing out the parquet floor at our house. I mean, eight, 10 hours a day of dancing, moving, rewinding the video, trying to figure out how is he doing that with his feet. Uh, YouTube would have been so helpful back then. <laughs> and so, yeah, just These a lot of- These kids today have it so easy. <laughs> kids today, man. Yeah, but a lot of practice for that one. And what's interesting about that story is that as much as I worked towards that and, and that became a thing that I was known for, I've also had to retire it because of, you know, the, the course of the lives that people have or because of things that come up with, you know, uh, social issues or allegations or even things after someone has passed. And so I've had to make a promise to myself to say, what does my audience uh, receive from me? And one of those has been the tough decision to say, I worked so hard as a kid to be so good at this one thing. And now I'm going to put it right over here and say, that was then. And what do we do next? That's the promise. And that's not the first time that you have made a promise to yourself and kept that promise, even at potentially great expense. I mean, uh, talk to us a little bit about what happened in Las Vegas ultimately for you. Yeah, I mean, back in 2001, when I started my career, by 2004, going from the Legends show and then starting my one-man show, by 2004, I was being courted by Las Vegas casino owners and their production companies and managers coming after me, wanting to create my show. So I had a bunch of casinos saying, you're the next guy. You're the next big name in Las Vegas. 
And uh, I mean, you, you've heard the story, but I mean, for your listeners, I'm, I'm sitting there with my wife and we had driven in our little Subaru out back from Salt Lake City, Utah, down the I-15 to Vegas, which was six hours away. And we just thought we were having a little meeting. And in this meeting, we're being offered a contract that would change my life if I sign it. And as we learn more about what this really is, it really was, we're going to manage your career. We're going to tell you what to do. All you have to do is follow the path we have outlined for you and keep a promise to our audience, which is they expect a certain kind of show. And the, the challenge for me was that I had made a promise way back when that I would always do a show that was family friendly, that was G-rated, that the grandma could be there with the grandchild and no one's questioning what's happening or, or embarrassed. And, uh, and so long story short, we came to a, a conclusion that instead of taking this contract and these offers in Las Vegas and having my path laid out before me and making a really good living compared to what I was making, that I was going to instead keep a promise to myself and walk away and that's why a lot of people haven't heard of me. I've, I've made my living since in the private corporate market as a speaker entertainer. And that's been a great thing for us. But it was in that, uh, in that moment that we walked away from a great opportunity in order to keep a promise that was made long ago. And you turned down a marquee, uh, ultimately, uh, and some of the name and lights, although you've certainly still had your name and lights in many ways. But what you're talking about, I think, goes to the essence of when we talk about leadership without losing your soul, it's that integrity and, and keeping that promise. And the interesting thing there, it's a promise you made to yourself. I mean, I don't know if you had communicated that promise to many other people, uh, but it was uh, you knew your values, you knew what was important to you, and you chose to stick to those, uh, even at potentially a great cost, not knowing what the alternative would look like, not knowing what the rest of it was going to look like. So I'm curious, as you have been speaking now, um, you have transitioned from kind of the pure entertainment to now sharing this message and obviously augmented by all of the gifts that you have, sharing this message about keeping the promise with leaders. And what are, the, what are some of the key principles there that show up for you that you're finding are resonating with your audience of, of leaders and managers and people going about doing their business work. How does that yeah, work? Yeah, you know, I mean, first of all, thanks for, thanks for asking because, you know, the promise has become something that very many people, when they first heard me transitioning from this entertainer guy to this speaker guy who does leadership and talks about promise making and keeping, they were very confused and a lot were hesitant. And, and so the, it just comes back to the same old principles, which are, you know, what is our integrity? What's our true character? What do we stand for? Uh, what is something that we, that we do every single day and then we just do it consistently? It's our habits. It's our self-assurance. It's our confidence. It's identifying and then eventually clarifying and magnifying our true promises in life that we need to make and keep with others. And so what really resonates is just this concept of, you know, I like to say, why set a goal and we can make a promise? And a lot of leaders talk all day about goals, goals, goals. And I'm not saying goals aren't important because of course they are. But where goals are particulars, promises are proclamations. So what are our proclamations to truly 
gift to the world that which only we can. And if we, if we set a goal and we miss it, we just set a new goal. There's really no big issue. But if we make a promise and we break it, we have a problem. And so what are our real promises? That they can just be very simple things, such as even in the middle of this pandemic. I know, I know a lot of leaders have been, you know, when I talk to them, I go, what are you, what are you keeping as a promise to yourself every day? And they have to sit and think, I'm, you know, I mean, I just, I'm waking up and I'm taking a shower and I'm getting ready for the day. That's the most promise I can keep to myself today. Or I woke up today and I went running. That's a big promise for people. And that will, that will save your soul. If you will keep certain little promises to yourself, it makes all the difference. And uh, did, did I answer your question with that? You have, and, and you're, you're making my heart smile again, Jason, because uh, a couple of reasons. One is I want to go back to the first one you said when you made that transition, you had some hesitancy. I got to tell you, I was in the other group when uh, I first uh, got to hear Jason uh, deliver a keynote, I think fairly early in your development of, of the message and where you are, you know, we're sharing still your entertainment and what it means to keep the promise in that way. And I can ask you to share one or two examples of that. But I wrote down, and that was a couple of years ago, and I wrote down at that point, have to have Jason on the show. <laughs> you know, it was, and, and specifically talking about the promise. And I found those notes a little while ago and was like, yes, that's exactly right. Because I had not thought about that. I mean, being in leadership, right? We talk about mission and values and all of those kinds of things. But there's something uh, primal, simple, straightforward about making a promise and keeping it that breeds confidence, success, forward progress, all, you know, everything that you need as a leader. And, and so as we've been talking, I've been thinking about even some of the promises I've made to myself or haven't made to myself and need to. Uh, and so the one about exercise, you know, that's something that definitely over the pandemic, I've been focused on trying to keep that promise to myself every day because you're stuck at home and you're not going, it's like, it's easy to let that go. And then everything else takes. And I'm not able to serve the people I need to serve if I'm not taking care of, of myself in this first. Okay, I've kept that one, but there are others that I know are important to me, like how I show up with other people that even as you're talking, I need to do a better job. I need to A, acknowledge that promise for myself to those other people and then honor it. And it's just such a, it's straightforward way to think about these things that kind of scrapes all of the garbage out of the way. I don't know if, if you've experienced that as you've been sharing this message or not. It's, it's almost too simple. And a lot of people maybe would write it off and just say, well, that's, that's whatever that message was. I don't, I don't need that or I don't care. And that's okay if that's where you think it's, it's coming from. But that's why the message is so powerful in its simplicity is you can apply it immediately. You know, and there's really not much you have to do. You just make the choice right now to say, uh, I'm going to go to bed earlier so I can wake up earlier so I can get up and go do my workout and it's before not it's too goal. hot. It's, it's not, not a goal. goal. It's not a, I can set that and maybe hit it or not. It's, I'm, I'm going to promise to do this for myself. Yeah, no, I mean, not, really, not, it's a, okay. But a goal, a goal has like a deadline, as you know. I mean, it's almost like, hey, once we reach this goal, we're going to be so satisfied at the top of this mountain. Well, 
a promise is kind of like a goal that it never ends. It's just kind of what you now become. It's what you do. It's like a sacred goal. Let's take that a level deeper because one of the things that, that you talk about is your unique promise. It's not just any, I mean, so we've been talking about, you know, promising to, to exercise and invest in our physical health, right? Okay. So all of us can sleep and, and walk or run or whatever, right? But there are promises that go deeper than that, that are a unique expression of who we are. And I know that you have seen that through your life as an entertainer and studying entertainers. And I know you've got some good examples of that. Uh, so I'd like to ask you to tap into that for us a little bit. And then let's talk about what that might look like for our listeners. Yeah. So when you think about a performer, uh, I mean, if you go to their show, I don't know if you have you ever been to a concert where you were expecting to hear them sing their hits and they got up on the stage and didn't once sing the hits? Very disappointing. <laughs> I think every time I say that, everyone's got an example of an artist that broke the promise to the audience. And really, that's what the artist has done. You see, they wrote a hit. They're sick of singing it, but the audience came to hear that hit. <laughs> and so the question is, what are your hits? You know, when you think about your own signature songs, your own signature voice, your own signature moves is what I like to call it. We all have them. And if we're not sharing them with our audience, which is our customers, our clients, our members, you, you name it. If we're not sharing them with our family, if we're not keeping that promise that we were gifted by the gods above to bring to this earth and discover and share with the world, then it's very much like the audience sitting there at a concert and you're, and you're not listening to the hits. You're, you're waiting for the, you know, you've got good, but what about great? I mean, it just goes okay, back so to that whole concept. <laughs> now we got to make this a little more real because Jason, I know like somebody's sitting here listening to this going, all right, but I'm not like a rock star. I mean, I don't have some special, all I do is show up every day, right? One of the things that has struck me is the way that you capture some of the weird promises that entertainers keep. Like the way they enunciate things or the way that they physically conduct themselves or different things like that. Would you mind sharing an example or two of that? And then let's try to figure out what those might look like for people listening to it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what if you went to a concert and Bob Dylan was there? And obviously, if your listeners know who Bob Dylan is, they know that they're not expecting to understand every word. <laughs> but they they are expecting a harmonica, right? So if Bob Dylan was up there going, hey, Mr. Tambourine, man, play a song for me. I'm not sleeping. Oh, there ain't no place I'm going to. You're waiting for the harmonica. What if he didn't play the harmonica? And then he keeps his promise by going. Hey, Mr. Tambourine, man. That's a very simple promise kept, isn't it? But if he forgot his harmonica or he didn't want to use it that day. <laughs> or chose just, to enunciate his words. It wouldn't be or, the same. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's just one silly, silly example. But when it comes to business, the, the question really comes down to the commercial versus the reality. So what are you advertising and what is the actual experience of the customer? That's the promise, either kept or broken in a nutshell. <laughs> so if they promise, hey, you're going to come in and get this kind of service or this kind of product, and then that's what's on their website, that's your commercial. If they show up and the reality is different or it's not as expected, 
it's not the engagement experience that they were promised, then you've broken a promise. It's the same as an artist in concert, same as someone coming to your business. And so as I'm thinking about myself, and I want to go here just to try to make it as practical as we can for, for leaders, say for a frontline leader, a middle-level manager even who's listening today and thinking, well, gosh, what is my promise? I know that one of the promises that I have made to my people as a leader is to be a teacher. Uh, I'm, I, it's part of who I am. It's part of my unique way of showing up in the world. And I know that. It's why I do this podcast. It's why I built this business. And it's part of how I led for decades at, at, at every level. But that's a promise I have to keep is to train and build and invest in people. Well, that's a, that's a leadership promise. I can keep at every level of my leadership. Doesn't, circumstances don't matter. None of that matters. That's a promise I can keep. So if you're listening right now, I wanna ask you, what is the promise that you can keep? That you will keep, not just to your customers because that's important and it's your brand promise, whether you're serving internal customers, external customers, but you've got a promise to the people you lead and probably more than one, right? Of how you're going to show up and how you're going to be there for them. And it's not something that Jason or I can tell you. That's what I love about this concept is that we can pave the way, make it clear a bunch of different examples, but what's your harmonica? What's your slurring of Bob Dylan's words for your people? Jason, I'm curious, as you have been out sharing this message, what are some of those types of things that you see people go, hey, man, that really inspired me. I know my promise is this. So if my promise is being a teacher and investing in people, what are some other examples that you've come across? Well, th that's what's cool about how you said it, is that you were like, I, I, I just am this. You know, that's what it comes down to. It's what you identify, clarify, and magnify. I call it the ICM process. So if your listeners were to go through this real quickly, ICM is identify, clarify, magnify. Identify is discover. So if you haven't ever done something like this, just take out a piece of paper and start writing down as many of your traits, goals, uh, talents, gifts, skills, attributes that you've got. You know, whether it's like I'm a family man, I'm, I'm spiritual, or I'm an entrepreneur, I connect the dots, I'm good at... I'm good at, uh, you know, making, making people laugh. I'm good at music. I'm good at all of this. So you just start writing all this down. Once you identify what your top 10 are that you really, really resonate with, then it's time to clarify and go clarify that with somebody that can help you refine yourself a bit. And that can happen with our customers. That can happen with our team members. We can ask our family members. You know, you don't want to ask your family members maybe at the wrong time of a pandemic, like, hey, what makes me so great? Because they'll be like, I can tell you what you can improve only, you know, this is just an exercise of what am I good at? What are my signature moves? What do they say when I'm not in the room? That kind of thing. And so when, when, when we go through this process of identifying, clarify, we come up with our true signature moves. And those become really powerful words and people will give you words you didn't even know you had. And then you're going to start magnifying those, those words. And what, what I found for myself when I'm going out and talking about this is that people are sitting there saying, you know, I identified this a long time ago that made me really great. And then eventually because I got a promotion or I became, you know, different in this aspect or life 
has cut me down enough. I put those great talents in a drawer and I hid them away because that just wasn't something I thought about anymore or I didn't need it or I didn't use it. I put it away and then I've just continued to, you know, do what I have to do to keep my job or to keep this, this momentum going. And I'm, I'm giving them permission to go back to the drawer and say, hey, look in this drawer, there's precious stuff in here gifts and talents that you use that got you to this place what if you use them today again and that becomes a new level of promise in their eyes it opens up their minds i know i've seen people that have like have become almost robotic in their ways during the day they go back to this place and they're like oh yeah empathy was a big thing for me way back when or forgiveness even of myself and the perfection i thought i had to be and and this is so cool, David, to watch people have this like revelation that is so simple. It is so it is so basic. But if they'll do that and say, I promise, I promise to just share a little bit more empathy with the people that are going through the things that I remember going through back when I was a young leader. I can do that now today. And man, it changes the way they live every day. It's like a new promise every day. So that, that's the roadmap. I am so inspired right now and, and hopeful for people who are listening that you will really take this to heart. And if you haven't done this kind of work before to take out that piece of paper and do that ICM, identify, clarify, clarify magnify. magnify, and get go through that process because it's worth it. And to show up as your most authentic real self and keep your promise to yourself and then keep that promise to others, Life is just so much better. You're more effective, you're more influential, uh, and you're happier. I mean, there's not a lot of ways we can guarantee a greater amount of happiness in our life, but gosh, this is certainly one of them. Yeah, I really, it's interesting to watch people go through this. And, and I say with the promise, there's not just the ICM. ICM is really the foundation of understanding your signature moves because those words now become you know, that which you identify. For me, it was, I'm an artist. It was, I am a family man. It was, I'm an entertainer. I'm a speaker. I'm a writer. But then people clarified for me that I'm not just an artist. I'm very creative. And so that then gives me another word to hang my hat on. So instead of just 10 signature moves, I've got 20 or 30 that I always bring to every interaction. And what, what's neat about the elements of the promises, I believe there are three. There's your audience, which is the people you serve. There's your family, which is both your family at work and at home. And then there's the promise to the one. And the promise to the one is not the promise to your boss. It's not the promise to anyone in your, anyone in your family. Let me show you what it is. The promise to the one is the book that's coming out. That's what's so cool about it. The promise to the one is your promise to yourself. And, and so often we forget what we've promised ourselves because we made that promise when we were probably pretty young. Like, I'm gonna do this when I get older. You know that whole promise thing? This is really, the promise to the one book is about rediscovering your true purpose, your true authentic self, and getting to that next level of actually sharing it in whatever capacity you find yourself in now. And that's what's so fun about this read for my so many friends that have read it before it came out. And uh, it's, it's available now on Amazon and elsewhere, Barnes and Noble. But they're going, 
Man, I forgot how many promises I made when I was young because I'm just going through life. And now I can go back into that drawer and utilize them in my business. It makes me that much better, that much happier. I have never been so fulfilled in my job or my life. And David, that's a very cool, uh, you know, reaction or conclusion from a reader. I, I, it just makes me so happy to see people going, I've not been this happy doing my life ever. I didn't think it was possible, but it's because I'm now making and keeping little promises that make all the difference. And that is not an exaggeration. If you're listening right now and thinking about, gosh, how is that going to show up for me in my leadership? It absolutely will. And it will make you more effective. Not just it's the yes in life, but when you're showing up that fulfilled and that connected to who you are and the gifts that you're bringing to your people and the work that you do, you can't help but be more energetic and enigmatic and attractive and uh, influential and all of the things that are going to help you to lead more effectively. So I can't encourage you enough to take advantage of the opportunity here that Jason has given you to start that process. He's given you the first steps. Uh, you can check out uh, the promise to the one and keeping that promise to yourself. You can find that on all of the booksellers, but Jason, if someone wants to go directly to you or find out more about the book uh, or please hire you for a, a corporate type of, uh, you do these private events all the time and talk about this and, um, and, the entertainment we have only just touched just the tip of the iceberg they got to ask you to keep one more promise for us before we go but uh, where would they find out more about you yeah just my website is jasonhewlett.com and hewlett spelled like hewlett packard and i uh i would love to be a part of a virtual event if that's where your company's at at this point even a lot of companies are afraid to still try it and part of the promise is to go for it and so I would love to help out with that and, uh, and live as well. But I do three main things as a person on stage. I'm a keynote speaker, I'm an MC once in a while, and I'm a entertainment in the end of the evening. I don't do that as much anymore just because I've had to keep some promises to myself not to do it very often. It's very taxing on my vocal cords. And so doing, uh, doing the keynote is really where it's at for me because I've chosen the specific musical pieces that really buoy up the message and allow me to still share it. For example, when I say to, you know, to the audience, hey, what's your signature move? How are you keeping that promise to your audience to share your authentic voice? Even if people say, that's not a good voice. Even if people say, we don't like what you've got. Well, sometimes that thing that makes us even, even, not sure about ourselves can be our true greatest signature move. For example, Louis Armstrong, back in the day when he was singing, people would say, just, just play the trumpet, man. And then he would, he would stop playing and he would go, I see friends shaking hands, saying, how do you do? They're really saying, oh, yes, I love you. And it became the voice of joy. A voice that people said, don't sing, just play the trumpet. You can't tell somebody that. And if somebody tells you that, you must share your authentic voice. You must share that which God gave you, which makes you unique. And that's what the promise truly is, is to share it. And so, yeah, jasonhewlett.com. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, all the fun places. But uh, it would be great to hear from anybody interested in having 
a bit of entertainment and levity with a surprisingly profound message that's very simple to apply. And hopefully not surprising now that they've got this far into this episode. So Jason, I just want to thank you so much for sharing your gifts and your wisdom and experience with us. You know, I mentioned in the opening remarks that you are a master at a very odd gift, which is that lip (laughs) manipulation. I didn't even know there was a category of lip manipulation until I met you. And so uh, if you're listening now, this is the bonus footage. You're going to have to, you know, uh, get on the website and, and check out some video here. But Jason, you have a particular talent that you developed a little early in life. Very odd, David. I don't know. I don't know how or why this happened, but you know, we're we're all blessed with something that maybe we don't like about ourselves. And as a kid, uh, mine was that I had a big mouth, <laughs> and so that big mouth became something that people made fun of me for. It wasn't until I went to the dentist, the dentist said, "Open wide," and I went. And he goes, wow, I can use both heads. And I was like, ah. And so the dentist, as he pulled the tool out of my mouth, he realized that my lip could stay like that. And he said, how do you do that? I said, I don't know. He said, stop. So I did. And he said, can you do it again? And I could. And he was like, that's, that's incredible. That's your gift. And so as your listeners and now watchers are, are considering for themselves their gifts, I hope as they look at my gift that they're grateful this isn't their gift. <laughs> I, that's why I like to say, uh, you have talents I don't have and I have talents you don't want. <laughs> and so as I started to find out that I could do this, the dentist said, can you do the other side? And no one had ever given me permission to do that, you know. And, and But he was right. I could do both sides. And then I found out that I could catch a wave like the ocean and I could do the bottom lip and I could do my eyebrows and oh yeah. And did I stop there? No, no. Why would I stop there? You know, I shared it with everyone uh, at, at school as a kid. And now even as an adult, I get in and, you know, as I'm walking down the, the street with my, my mask on on the sidewalk and I'm, I'm walking, I like pull it down and I'm like, hey, get out of the way. You don't want what I got, you know. So <laughs> I love to mess with people, man. But that's me keeping my promise, isn't it? Come on, that that's is, awesome. That is exactly you keeping your promise. And just like that entertainer might have sang that song a thousand times, but you are the, you are the consummate role model for all of us about what it means to keep the promise. And uh, thank you again for sharing your gifts with us and, and encouraging us that no matter what our gift is, there is a way for us to keep that promise, bring it to ourself, to the people we serve, and to the customers that we ultimately are, are adding value for. So Jason, thanks again. I will put the links on the show notes. You can check out. You got to go watch this video. This is one you're not going to want to miss. Uh, it's definitely worth the time to watch Jason do his thing and, and be inspired by him. So Jason, thank you once again. Uh, for being that, that perfect role model for us of keeping the promise. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me, bro. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.